Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Have you ever said anything stupid you really wish you could have taken back? Today we're looking at Jephthah, and that is definitely true of him. The question is, why did he do it, and why did he follow through with it? We'll get to that in just a second. Today we're looking at Judges chapter 10 to 12. Uh, There's a little bit about these minor judges we don't know a lot about. Then we get introduced to Jephthah, and then the Ephraimites are going to start a war again. Come on, guys. Um, So as we read over these chapters, uh, Jenny, I'm curious what sticks out to you. Well, I guess I've heard this story before, and I always remember, like, oh, yeah, there's that dumb guy that, like, said something really ridiculous and then really stuck his foot in his mouth. And this was that instance. And, like, reading it more in depth now is like, oh, my goodness. So you have this judge, Jephthah, and I guess the whole premise of his vow is... Is, is what? Like, why does he make this vow in the first place? He's just trying to honor the Lord by making a vow. Which just seems ridiculous. Like, isn't his obedience enough? But I guess not. So he makes this vow that he's going to um, sacrifice the first, the first, the first thing, thing that, that he sees that comes out his yeah. gates, right? Yeah. So he comes home and who's there to greet him? But his daughter, who's just like celebrating and excited that he's returned victorious, and he's like, he rips his clothes, he gets real upset, and he's like, oh, you brought this upon me. I'm like, you brought this upon yourself. So the daughter is just like super chill about it. I mean, I guess not really, but also like, well, dad, I guess you got to do what you got to do. That would not be my first reaction. And she's like super sad because she like, from what it seems, wants to have a family, wants to have children, wants to grow old, but she's bound to her dad's stupidity. It's just frustrating. <laughs> And then he actually does it. He actually kills her. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's just so wrong. I don't know. And then there's like footnotes in our Bible that actually says that after he realized that he made a foolish vow, that he could have actually broken the vow, but for whatever reason, he decided not to break the vow. So we have like this problem of, was that like a prideful thing or was he just being like super devout and like sticking to what he said? I'd love to talk about that because I think it's it's either arrogance or it could be doctrine. I'm actually really interested. I, I think I would say it could be a doctrinal issue, which is interesting to me. Uh, you but he c- read into it completely wrong, though, anyway. You kind of feel like it's an arrogance thing, right? In a way, because I feel like he just doesn't want to look dumb, so he just doesn't go back on what he says. I don't know. There's just like There's weird parts of it that I feel like could be both. So it's important to remember at this point that judges is not prescriptive it's descriptive so basically judges is not telling us how to live our lives it's not giving us instructions for life it's just telling us the events that happened so jephthah Mm. is dumb like he's not a good dude he is a judge that god raised up to deliver israel but we can see that he is not super sharp and not super great. So I have a question really quick before yeah. you keep moving into that, because I think it goes with it. Yeah. What is the difference between a judge and a prophet then? Because we would say that Moses is a prophet, right? He's like leading the people out. Joshua, same situation, right? Yeah, I, I would say that a judge is is a judge. Because in my mind, like when I think of judge, I think of God just like looking at all of them being like, okay, this one's just going to like rise up and say, Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Whereas like the prophets are ones that God like pulls out, 
like has divine intervention with. Well, where these other ones is just like these guys are idiots. These are the guys that are like being temporarily raised up outside of Deborah. <laughs> to of course. <laughs> uh they're being temporarily raised up to deliver the people of Israel. Um some of them do have prophetic gifts like Deborah. She was a prophetess, so she was like under the what under the palm tree or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says that. Sounds very Jonah-ish. Judges chapter 4, I think. Um but they they deliver Israel. They kind of do their job, and then they're just part of the history. Yeah, but she seems like the only one that like had a pretty good head on her shoulders, and then it just like gradually gets worse and worse that's and worse. A, that's exactly judges. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. So right after Jephthah comes Samson. He is a hot mess. <sighs> Jephthah literally kills his daughter. This is not great. It's not great. Oh, and, good luck. And actually, uh, we kind of skipped over it, but in chapter 10... In chapter 10, it lists how many different gods the people of Israel were serving. Chapter 10, verse 6. The people of Israel served the Baals, the Ashtoreth, the gods of Syria, the, <laughs> the gods Baals. of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. It's like these people can't get enough idolatry. They're like so into serving other gods, they keep finding new gods. Um, so silly. So back to Jephthah. Do you think, you, tell me why you think this is a pride thing. Well, one, I just think oftentimes, like, prideful people can just be really dumb sometimes. And he's, like, given this responsibility to be the judge. And he's, like, standing out there like, yes, I am going to, like, sacrifice the first thing I see. Like, I'm assuming probably in front of a lot of people. And, like, having to eat your words is probably, like, really not great for their own pride. So that's just what made me think of that. And the fact that he's, like, unwilling to be, like, my daughter matters more than my stupid choice that I made is, like, mm, you're dumb. I don't like you. So I think this is a, a doctrine thing. I think you have a guy here that's, like, trying to serve the Lord, but who he knows to be the Lord is just not real. So it, it, it's really interesting that he thinks he has to kill his daughter and sacrifice his daughter to the Lord. Because anybody that knows anything about what we've read so far is that God is super against that. I was going to say, there's like plenty of laws that like go right along like against that. But he's like so stuck on this one law about vows, which there's actually like an appendix for anyway. Leviticus 5, 4 to 6 actually talks about if you make a foolish vow and it would cause you to sin, you need to offer a certain kind of sacrifice so that that sin is covered and you're not bound to your vow. Not your daughter. So... (laughs) So God hates child sacrifice. That's literally why the Canaanites are being judged. One of the reasons Um, you are not bound to sinful vows. And so I think what we have here is a well-intentioned guy, maybe. I don't know. That doesn't know the first thing about who the God he's serving is. Which makes a lot of sense because Israel is just surrounded by apostasy. People who don't know God and don't follow God. And so these judges, when they get raised up, are just like trying their best to do it. But Jephthah's wrong about who God is. He doesn't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because his picture of God is different than who God really is. And so we can we can fight that out, I guess, later if it's pride or if it's uh, doctrine or if it's probably a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the end of the story is he does, in fact, sacrifice his daughter. Super sad. Um, and just incredibly foolish. You you can't <laughs> honor God at all by sacrificing your kids. This is just... Yeah, because, like, 
what would what would make I don't know what would change anybody else from being like, well, I'm gonna sacrifice a judge today, like. You what, could say anything like that. What's really interesting is what he believed to be worship was actually against God. So, like, what he believed, he believed that so holding this vow... So an innocent person has to, like, be a product of his... And, and don't you think... His world. Don't you think sound doctrine would have been helpful to them? <laughs> like, like if a guy could have come and said, Hey, actually, have you read Leviticus? You, you, you really need to read Leviticus. It sounds like none of them were reading it anyway, yeah. so... Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Um, Yikes. <laughs> so, then we get into... What is it? It's uh, chapter 12. And the Ephraimites, if you remember from yesterday's reading, the Ephraimites came out against Gideon. Gideon whipped them with barbs and killed a bunch of people. Now the Ephraimites are mad at Jephthah. Seems like the Ephraimites don't like being out of the loop. So they get in a war with Jephthah. Uh, and they lose the war with Jephthah. And then we get a couple more minor judges that get mentioned. And that's that's the end of the reading. Dang. I don't ever want to read chapter 11, like, ever again. <laughs> like, I just feel like... I don't know. That makes me really mad. So, what do you think is a good your part for today? Don't read chapters 10, 11, 12. <laughs> this is the Daily Bible Podcast. And one of the, the co-host is telling you not to read the Bible. <laughs> no, that's not true. It just is <laughs> annoying. I think it it might just be a testament to, like, how just we've only seen, what, a handful of judges at this point? Mm -hmm. And they're supposed to be the ones with, like, the sound voice. And how quickly and easily people just fall away because it's, like, the task is too much. Or they weren't, they weren't like, literate enough in what God's word had said. Or they were just super full of pride or whatever the case may be. How quickly these people are just falling and falling and falling and falling. And it's going to get worse. Yeah. So I think just like perhaps a your part is just to just really make it an effort in your own life to really commit to what God's word tells us. Because I think so easily we can just allow little things to trickle in and just fall to the wayside and just soon you'll be looking around like what what am i doing with my life <laughs> like what was meant to be good is just so off track and so i think just encouragement to just stay true to god's word give it the time it deserves give give god the time he deserves in your own life um, because it can so quickly just turn to something so ugly like what we're seeing in judges Jephthah could have saved his daughter's life by reading God's word. Mm -hmm. um, God's word keeps us in line with who God is because the Holy Spirit wrote this through different people and the Holy Spirit reveals the character of God through it. The only way that we know the God that we worship is by reading his word and understanding who he is through it. And I think even reading chapters like this today, yeah. this is not necessarily like, a, oh, but you just said those chapters are terrible. I think it's also like, this is God's word as a reflection of like, this is the kind of stuff that happens to people. I, I've actually heard this story taken out of context and being like, hey, you know, there's a guy that sacrifices his daughter in Judges. Like, what What the heck? And it was wrong. And it was wrong. <laughs> and when I first heard that, actually, I remember the first time I heard about it, I was like, what? That's in the Bible? And I, I would have had no way to say like hey actually that was wrong like he was disobeying god mm -hmm. so i think it's, it's it's a great challenge to get to know the the real true god 
Um, you, you do that, you, you worship, you pray, you read the word, you allow the word to inform you as to who God is, uh, and you keep getting closer and closer to him. So we'll be back again tomorrow. We're starting out with Samson tomorrow. So, oh boy, we'll see you then. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our take on God's word. Stick around and listen to the word uh, on the second part of the podcast. Before we get in there, uh, we just want to remind you, you can connect with us at any time on social media and YouTube at God's plan, your part. Also, we are a listener supported podcast. So if you ever want to help us out with the ministry that we're doing, uh, you can do that by clicking the link in our description. And now here's the reading for today. Judges chapter 10. After Abimelech, there arose to save Israel Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, the man of Issachar, and lived at Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. And he judged Israel twenty-three years, then he died and was buried at Shamir. After him arose Jair the Gileadite, who judged Israel twenty-two years. And he had thirty sons who rode on thirty donkeys, and they had thirty cities, called Havos Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Kaman. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreth and the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the Ammonites. And they crushed and oppressed the people of Israel that year. For eighteen years they oppressed all the people of Israel who were beyond the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. And the Amorites crossed the Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. And the Lord said to the people of Israel, Did I not save you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites, from the Ammonites and the Philistines? The Sidonians also and the Amicalites and the Maonites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, and I saved you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you in your time of distress. And the people of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please deliver us this day. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And he became impatient over the misery of Israel. Then the Ammonites were called to arms, and they encamped in Gilead, and the people of Israel came together, and they encamped at Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said one to another, Who is this man that will begin to fight against the Ammonites? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute. Gilead was the father of Jephthah, and Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when his sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in your father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob, and worthless fellows collected around Jephthah and went out with him. After a time, the Ammonites made war against Israel, and when the Ammonites made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to bring Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, Come and be our leader, that we may fight against the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and drive me out of my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That is why we have turned to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the Ammonites and be our head over our inhabitants of Gilead. Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight against the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them over to me, 
I will be your head. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord will be our witness between us, if you do not do as you say. So Jephthah went out with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and leader over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord at Mizpah. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites and said, What do you have against me, that you have come to me to fight against my land? And the king of the Ammonites answered the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel on coming up from Egypt took away my land, from Arnon and the Jabbok and the Jordan, and now therefore restore it peaceably. Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites and said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. But when they came up from Egypt, Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Israel then sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. And they sent also the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained at Kadesh. Then they journeyed through the wilderness and went around the land of Edom and the land of Moab, and arrived on the east side of the land of Moab and camped on the other side of the Arnon. But they did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was the boundary of Moab. Israel then sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon, and Israel, and said to him, Please let us pass through your land to your country. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through the territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together and encamped at Jahaz and fought with Israel. And the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and all his people to the hand of Israel, and they defeated him. So Israel took possessions of all the land of the Amorites, who inhabited that country. And they took possessions of all the territory of the Amorites from Arnon to Jabbok, and from the wilderness to the Jordan. And then the Lord, the God of Israel, dispossessed the Amorites from before the people of Israel. And are you to take possession of them? Will you not possess what Shemash your God gives you to possess? And all that the Lord our God has dispossessed before us, we will possess. Now are you any better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever contend against Israel, or did he ever go to war with them? While Israel lived in Heshbon and its villages, and Aror and its villages, and in all the cities and all the banks of Arnon, three hundred years, why did you not deliver them within that time? I therefore have not sinned against you, and you do me wrong by making war on me. The Lord, the judge, decide this day between the people of Israel and the people of Ammon. But the king of the Ammonites did not listen to the words of Jephthah that he sent him. Then the spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed on to Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed on to the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will give me the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord gave them into his hand. And he struck them from Aror to the neighborhood of Minith, twenty cities, and as far as abel Kiriam, with a great blow. So the Ammonites were subdued before the people of Israel. Then Jephthah came to his home at Mizpah, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. She was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And as soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you have become the cause of great trouble to me. For I have opened my mouth to the Lord, and I cannot take back my vow. And she said to him, My father, you have opened your mouth to the Lord. Do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, now that the Lord has avenged you on your enemies, on the Ammonites. So she said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. 
Leave me alone two months that I may go up and down on the mountains and weep for my virginity, I and my companions. So he said, Go. Then he sent her away for two months, and she departed, she and her companions, and wept for her virginity on the mountains. And at the end of the two months she returned to her father, who did with her according to his vow that he had made. She had never known a man, and it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went year by year to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in the year. The men of Ephraim were called to arms, and they crossed to Zaphon and said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the Ammonites, and did not call on us to go with you? We will burn your house over you with fire. And Jephthah said to them, I and my people had a great dispute with the Ammonites, and when I called you, you did not save me from their hand. And when I saw that you would not save me, I took my life in my hand and crossed over against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered all of the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead struck Ephraim, because they said, You are fugitives of Ephraim, you Gileadites, in the midst of Ephraim and Manasseh. And the Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan against the Ephraimites. And when any of the fugitives of Ephraim said, Let me go over, the men of Gilead said to him, Are you an Ephraimite? When he said no, they said to him, Then say, Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they seized him and slaughtered him at the fords of the Jordan. At that time, 42,000 of the Ephraimites fell. Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried in the city of Gilead. After him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters. He gave in marriage outside his clan, and 30 daughters he brought in from outside for his sons. And he judged Israel seven years. Then Ibzan died and was buried in Bethlehem. After him, Elon, the Zebulonite, judged Israel, and he judged Israel ten years. Then Elon, the Zebulonite, died and was buried at Aijalon in the land of Zebulun. After him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Parathonite, judged Israel. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons, who rode on seventy donkeys, and he judged Israel eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Parathonite died and was buried at Parathon in the land of Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.